What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Up Before You podcast with me, Connor Warman. This episode of the Up Before You podcast is brought to you by our friends and fellow CrossFitters at Stono Creek Apothecary. If you're into your health, and especially if you're into your fitness, you've been hearing a lot about CBD lately. From inflammation and pain relief to improve sleep, lower anxiety, and faster recovery times, CBD is touted as the biggest wellness breakthrough of the last several years, and increasingly so. Nowadays, you can find CBD in literally everything, from gummies to lattes. You can buy it at the doctor's office, the local grocery, and even the corner gas station. But all this hype can leave people scratching their heads. Is CBD for real? And which brand can I trust? At Stono Creek, you can be sure that all the CBD products are made to the highest standards from seed to shelf. This means everything is manufactured in their FDA-registered laboratory near the Stono River on Johns Island, South Carolina. That's right, folks. It's a real place, and it's not your neighbor's kitchen. All the CBD is CO2 extracted from hemp grown in the U.S. of A. on sustainable, pesticide-free farms. Each finished batch is third-party tested for potency, purity, and stability. And all the products are fully labeled and disclose every single ingredient that goes into them. If you haven't tried Stono Creek yet, you can now get 20% off your first order when you use code UPBEFOREYOU on their website, scapothecary.com. That's S-C-A-P-O-T-H-E-C-A-R-Y.com. Code UPBEFOREYOU. And also, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter so that you can be the first to learn about the launch of the new topicals line, including recovery baths, body oils, solves, and more, which is set to launch this winter. Now guys, I have personally been using their cooling pain cream now for over a year and I'm absolutely loving it. I put it on my legs, shoulders, or back after tough, grueling workouts and I have truly noticed a big difference in my recovery. I've also been experimenting lately with their CBD oil at night and so far have been seeing great results in terms of my quality and restlessness of sleep. I'm looking forward to continuing to share the results I get from using this product and how it is affecting my recovery and training, so please stay tuned for that. Now, guys, if you have a moment, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating and a review. It only takes a second and is a great way to support the show, and the feedback means a lot to me. If you like this episode of the podcast, please share with family and friends and post on social media and make sure to tag Up Before You. And lastly, go follow Up Before You on Instagram and Facebook and go check out upbeforeyou.com to keep up to date with all the latest episodes, news, and updates surrounding the show. All right, my guest today is Jason Grubb. Jason is a CrossFit Games Masters athlete who took the top spot at the Games in 2019 in the 40-44 age group. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about his crazy journey through a laundry list of jobs to get to where he is today, his weight loss journey and getting into CrossFit, getting competitive and eventually winning the Games, why he follows CompTrain Masters programming, what the future holds, and much, much more. I truly hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And with all that being said, let's get on with episode 93 of the show. Yeah, so I was uh, I was scrolling through your Instagram the other day, and I saw you climbing something. Looked like Mount, was it Mount Everest? Uh, so it, we uh, we trekked to Everest Base Camp, okay, and then uh, from we stayed at a uh, we stayed near Everest Base Camp for two nights, and um, one of the mornings climbed up a uh, a mountain called Kalapatar, which was eighteen thousand five hundred feet. Yeah, and uh, we did that before sunrise so that we could see 
uh, Everest during sunrise. Like literally from the top of this mountain, we could look across and see Everest. Um, and it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, those pictures look pretty sweet. It was. I mean, it, like, I mean, I have a, I was a photographer for a number of years, but um, trying to capture the magnitude and the size of everything over there mm. was so hard. So, I mean, it was fun to the, the challenge of actually creating a sense of enormity, and it was it was still hard. But man, it was that was worth it was worth doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh. So, yeah, how long did it take you to climb the mountain you climbed, or the, whatever you climbed? So, yeah, we climbed, um, I mean, the, the total trek was 11 days. The mountain we climbed, um, we were uh, sleeping at 17,000 feet. And um, so this was just a 1,500 vertical foot climb. It took about an hour and a half. And, uh, oh, man, it was a lot of work. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, we started at 3.30 in the morning so that we could catch the sunrise. Or I guess we started at 4.30 in the morning, up at 3.30, started the hike at 4.30. Um and there's a lot of people attempting this this climb at that time of day. So um, it was fun to uh, be a, a somewhat fit human being and just charge haul ass to the top of this mountain <laughs> as fast as possible. So because I didn't want to get stuck in like a traffic jam of people. Like if the sun was coming up over Everest, I wanted to be on the top first. And uh, we got up there, sat ourselves down and, and got to enjoy it. Then everyone that was climbing, was probably like 50 or 100 people climbing the mountain that day. Everyone arrived at around the time that, that the sun started coming up. So mm-hmm. um, pretty cool to pass everyone on the way up. And 18,000 feet was, I mean, that there was not a lot of oxygen. It was good. It was mm-hmm. a solid, solid workout for sure. Do you have any interest in ever climbing Everest? I'm all messed up now. I, I, I had no interest, zero interest until I saw it. And it was just right there. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I do these things. Like I, I get kind of in. I kind of get into something and I get a little bit obsessive about it. And, uh, like, I, I don't know. I've, I've read a couple of books and watched like every YouTube video about climbing Everest in the last two weeks or last three weeks. Cause it's really interesting. The, the only, well, there's a couple of glitches. Um, one is it's like, I mean, a really good crew is like a hundred thousand dollars to, to get to the top of Everest. So I don't have that. Um, <laughs> the prize money from the games for masters athletes is not anywhere near, uh, that. So, um, I can't just go drop a hundred thousand dollars on something like that. And I mean, it has like a 95% success rate of, of people that achieve the the summit. And it's a, it's this great, very challenging experience. Um, but there's like, there's a few percentage of people who die a horrible death. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were like 19 or 21 people that died on the mountain, uh, this spring. And I don't want to die either. So it, it's <laughs> kind of a weird catch 22. Like I'd love to get to the top, but also, there's there's just a bunch of things that can happen and then and you just die like it's your body is dying above twenty five thousand feet and you got to get to twenty nine thousand feet to be on top of that mountain so if you get and, and most people don't die of um and not a lot of people die from running out of oxygen a bunch too but but there's avalanches and there's falling rocks and there's falling off the mountain there's all kinds of things that would be uh, sad for a guy that's got uh, four kids so um, I got mouths to feed my my insurance is good I'm not sure if it covers Everest adventures i'm not sure so i'd have to check that out yeah no that'd be a pretty sweet feat though oh my god for sure and so i'd like to it would be cool to like add that to the resume like yeah climbed everest so i, I have I've, I've trekked to everest and i thought that would be kind of a cool notch mm-hmm. um and it was and it really was but <laughs> climbing everest would be uh pretty insane climbing any mountain that's above eight thousand meters or above twenty five, twenty six thousand feet would be pretty amazing but really like 
why would anyone climb Everest? I mean, the standard answer is because it exists, because yeah. you can. So <laughs> it's there. It's yeah. just begging to be climbed by um, people who love to, to hurt. Mm-hmm. For sure. So all right, switching gears here, can you tell me a little yeah. bit about yourself growing up? Uh, sure. Yeah, I was. Um, I mean, I grew up in, in Colorado. Uh, I, I'm a native of Colorado, so I've always been here. Um, I've always been almost in the same county of Colorado. Um, and as a kid, I didn't appreciate how amazing Colorado is. As an adult, there's no other place to live. Um, we have mountains. We have we have 14ers. We have rivers. Um, we have the outdoors. Everything that I would ever want is in this place. And we have four seasons. These are all wonderful things. Um, but uh, I actually grew up in a super poor family. Um, and uh, I honestly had just terrible, terrible nutrition growing up. Um uh, and I'm not even thinking of nutrition as the, on the idea of like CrossFit, just, I, we just didn't have any money. So we didn't really, I didn't eat a whole lot growing up. Um, once I got a job as a teenager, I got a job in a fast food restaurant and I started eating like food. I grew like seven inches. Um, as soon as I started <laughs> eating, you know, hamburgers from McDonald's cause I got free food at my job and stuff. Um, but I was also, a, I, I was a gymnast, um, from like ages, I don't know, 12 to 17. Um, and I was a competitive gymnast and, um, I, I really, uh, I love that. I enjoyed that. I had like really high hopes that I could go to the Olympics and that that would provide this, um, like I get scholarships and I'd be able to go to like a great college and all these things. Um, and, uh, around, uh, I think I had just turned 17 or around my 17th birthday. Um, it just hit me like, I'm not a good enough gymnast. I'm like, I'm not going to make the Olympics. Um, I was going to, I was going to be 20 when the Olympics were coming around or 24 or 28. And there's, um, there's hardly 28 year olds in the Olympics, uh, for, for gymnasts, for male gymnasts. It was like maybe a handful. 24 would be great. 20 was like, no, like out of reach. It was just all of a sudden I realized like, I'm never going to do it. Mm. So I stopped. Um, it, it was sad. It was really hard just to let that go. I, I had for, for five years, I dreamed of going to the Olympics, but I just wasn't, wasn't good enough. Um, and it was, flat out scary. Like some of the stuff that we were doing at this point at 17 was so scary that I, I became just, just became scared to go to practice. Um, which was, you know, six days a week, three hours a day, um, Mm. at least. And then on the off days we were studying tapes and and stuff like that to learn technique and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I did end up going to college, paying for college, uh, as opposed to scholarship or Olympics and all of those uh-huh. kinds of things. And, and yeah, I mean, that was, that was growing up in Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. you grow up, get a, get a good education and, uh, get a good job and then immediately quit my job and realize that I just prefer like being an entrepreneur. Um, so I'm 43 now and I, I haven't had a job job in, in about 18 years. Um, everything's been something that I've developed. I've, I've had a, a handful of businesses and, um, yeah, I, I can't imagine having a job now. Um, so yeah. Okay, so when you first got out of school, like what kind of what job? What did you do? Oh man, um, I worked for um, yeah, I worked in the mailroom at mm. uh, Boston Market Corporate Headquarters um, in Golden, Colorado, and uh, and Einstein Brothers Bagels Corporate Headquarters. They they merged into this one company. Um, so I was a mailroom guy, and that was actually how I learned um, like the ins and out of outs of like how a corporation works. I, growing up, I couldn't imagine what people do at work all day. <laughs> like, what would they do? Like, what do you do in an office? Yeah. Um, 
And then I learned like, yeah, there's human resources, there's like accounting and there's marketing and advertising. There's all these kinds of things. Um, but that was, um, yeah, I worked at, 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 uh, at Boston Market. And I, I grew into a, a couple of other departments um, and left there to be a teacher. Um, I, I went and taught high school for a semester mm-hmm. and uh, realized that, that that's, I'm not a teacher. There's no way. Like, that's just not my jam. <laughs> and uh, then I, I'm, a, I'm not a high school teacher. Um, and I can't afford it. it was the income. It was like, it, it was $19,000 a year. Yeah. Even then, like there's, that's just, you can't live on that. Yeah. Um, but I walked into a building and I, I got a job as a recruiter. I just walked into a, a company and I thought they would place me somewhere. And they were actually looking for someone who would be a recruiter. And, um, I actually learned how to like, how to, how to make cold calls into companies and, and recruit and place people into companies as a recruiter. And it was great. It was really fun. I did that for uh, about a year, 18 months, and realized I could do that on my own. Um, and that's my first um, – first time I, I quit my job to essentially do the same thing at home, but I get to keep like kind of all the margins and all the profits myself. Um, <clears throat> so I did that. And while I was doing that, I went back to school, got a master's degree in counseling psychology uh, because I, I had an interest in, in being a therapist. And I knew that recruiting, like it was something, it wasn't a long-term thing. I I just made good money while I was doing it um, at the time, but got my master's degree and um, immediately opened a therapy practice. And so I was a therapist for seven years um, with a small private practice that uh, I went out and filled up immediately, um, helping people with things like anxiety and depression and, um, you know, couples with like marital stuff and teenagers because I didn't know I didn't have a specialty. I just kind of did the fun stuff, um, the fun stuff. I didn't get into really crazy stuff, uh, but I had enough that like in the suburbs of Denver, um, I had a pretty healthy um, counseling practice and I got bored. Um, I get bored with things. Mm-hmm. And at that's the fifth, sixth year of, of being a, a therapist. Um, I got a little bit bored and I'd always loved playing poker. This is random, but I love playing poker with my friends, like Texas Hold'em. Yeah. We would play little tournaments, and I would we'd be up till 3 in the morning to win like $100 from off of our friends. It was really fun stuff. And um, I took a solo trip out to Las Vegas to play poker. That was it. Just three days so I could go play poker, and I did really well. And uh, I flew home and immediately booked a trip the next week. I, I had... Yeah, I saw my, my counseling clients Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday maybe, and then I went out to Las Vegas and played poker for three days again. Um, and I did really well. On the, on the plane ride back, uh, I wrote my own little like mini business plan on a napkin in the airplane and decided I was going to play poker. So I s- turned off my counseling. like I stopped taking on new counseling clients and immediately booked out six months of trips to Las Vegas. So I would see counseling clients Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, travel out to Las Vegas and play poker Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then come back and see my clients and go out to Las Vegas. Ended up getting an apartment out there to make life a little bit easier for myself. And uh, I played poker for 18 months and did um, did really well for 14, 15 of those months. Um, really well. I played in some really sizable cash games. I love the competition. I love the psychology. I love the... the um, I love the camaraderie. It was, I mean, it's really fun to go play poker with the people that I play poker with all the time out there. And uh, uh, the last, uh, so 14, 15 months, I did really well. And then three months, I couldn't win. That was it. I, I mean, I went straight up from, I, I lost everything. 
lost everything. Um, literally came home from, from Las Vegas on my last trip out there with $800. Um, and, you know, people that are really disciplined playing poker, you know, when they have a downswing, they pull up before they crash. I just thought, like, I can turn this around. But I came back with nothing and um, started a photography business um, really out of scratch. Watched YouTube videos on how to take great pictures, um, borrowed money to buy a, a decent camera, and immediately started booking weddings um, because weddings pay a decent amount for wedding photographers. And um, within you know the first year, I think I shot 10 or 11 weddings. Um, decent Decent, like, you know, $3,000 per wedding. It was I could survive there. Um, the next year, increased prices, shot 25 weddings. The following year, increased prices, shot 35 weddings or something. The next year, doubled prices from just, just made it. So it's just crazy. So I, I would not shoot 35 weddings again. It was great. It was just too much. Then down to like 15 weddings for a couple of years. And uh, high-end, high-priced weddings in the Colorado Mountains. This is a great place to live as a, as a wedding photographer. And, um, around, uh, I was, you know, maybe six years into being a photographer when, um, I was thick and, uh, got invited to try CrossFit and, um, as it would be, of course, as I started enjoying CrossFit, I was like, man, how hard could this business be? Maybe I'll do this. And so I did start to transition from wedding photography to opening a CrossFit gym uh, shooting weddings for one or two years as the gym sort of developed and, and grew into an actual business. And, um, and, and that brings me up to almost current. Um, owned the gym for five or for four years and sold the gym uh, in April of this year. And uh, so I'm, I'm currently in the process of building a couple of other businesses and um, training. That's, that's, the, that's life right now. Wow. That's, that's quite the story. <laughs> I've done some stuff. I know. I've done some stuff. It's been um, fun. So you you had mentioned you got you were a little bigger before you started CrossFit. Do you think that was kind of because growing up and stuff you didn't know anything about nutrition and you didn't even really know what it was? Nothing. Didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. And um, what I knew was was conventional wisdom that that really you know a low fat diet was really all that mattered. It really doesn't matter what you eat as long as you don't eat too much fat. Um, so low fat everything except that I, I you know by the time I was thirty eight. Um, you know, I was in Colorado is, has lots of great breweries and there's really mm -hmm. good beer out here. So I was drinking, you know, three, maybe four IPAs most days. Hmm. Um, and you know, if, if, um, really not paying attention, like pizza a couple times a week. And, uh, if there was a bag of Doritos, I was probably going to eat the whole thing for sure. Um, I mean, I still love Doritos. They're yeah. perfect. They're the perfect <laughs> food. Um, I don't eat them ever now. I can't because I have no control. There's no way I could even see a bag of Doritos. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I just you know, and I thought that staying fit was running for an hour, you know, on on some trails out here in, in Colorado three times a week, and uh, and really eating and drinking whatever I want, um, incredible amounts of ice cream and beer and pizzas and and. And it just didn't work. And there were times when I, I got really into running. So I was running maybe five days a week, you know, six to eight miles each run. But it wasn't doing anything. I was still I was getting thicker. Um, and my family is 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 fairly obese. So I just figured that in my DNA, like it doesn't matter what I do, I'm going to end up obese. So if I could just maybe run five times a week or three times a week, uh, maybe that'll help me 
not become obese at the age of 40, um, like my family. Like, this is just kind of how my family's built. Um, but I was really scared, and I had no idea what to do. No idea, except maybe exercise some more. And uh, it was actually, it was funny. It was uh, November um, when I was 38, so November of 2013 or 2014. And um, I hate running in the winter. It's too cold. I just hate it. And uh, I had taken a run on a super cold, windy day and was not happy about it. And a friend of mine invited me to um, a, a CrossFit class. And um, and she'd invited me a lots of times. I just wasn't ever really interested. So finally, I was like, all right, I'll come. Mm-hmm. And uh, went to the class. And there was like five people in the class, including me. So it was an intimate class. It was uh-huh. fine. It was easy. But the workout had handstand push-ups. And I could still do a handstand because I was a gymnast. So even at 200 pounds and thick and like I, I had nothing for arms, I could still kick up to a handstand and hold a handstand for a uh-huh. while. And uh, at this first class, they were like, so that's handstand push-ups. So you'll probably do push-ups. I'm like, oh, no, I can do handstands. They're like, really? Show me. And so I just kicked up to a handstand. Um, and they thought I was a god. Um, <laughs> it, that I could kick up to a handstand as like this old man. And um, I mean, that like that. I was like, oh, you do handstands and you do pull-ups and you do like um, toes to bar. You do a lot of the things that um, I used to do when I was like 16 as a gymnast, like in a gymnastics practice, we, you know, we'd warm up, we'd practice multiple apparatus, and then we'd have conditioning at the end of gymnastics. And we do a bunch of CrossFit type stuff as part of conditioning. Um, so that's what this CrossFit class was. I was, that was it. I mean, that was it. One class. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't join that gym because it wasn't super convenient, but I called the gym that was closer to me and I got a free week. I went five days that week. I was destroyed, absolutely destroyed. And I loved it. Like I'd never, I hadn't been destroyed like that since I was a gymnast, since I was like a teenager. And um, I mean, I immediately signed up for an unlimited membership and started going six days a week, which is a terrible idea, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, going right. six days a week as a deconditioned 38-year-old man is a great way to like get hurt and like and, and have things really pop up. But um, but I, I navigated through that uh, that like initial like I'm going to get really fit really quick kind of idea. I just slowed it down, um, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't until about a year into CrossFit that I actually even started paying attention in any way whatsoever to what I was putting into my body. Um, I mean, I was CrossFitting six days a week and still drinking like th- three to four IPAs a day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, borderline alcoholic, but really just did – I mean, I had a fridge full of IPAs, so like that's what you do. The cul-de-sac, everyone has some IPAs, so I'm going to have an IPA mm-hmm. um, or multiple. Um, but yeah, and then it, it was, um, my body started changing even without making any changes to my diet. And I was like, huh, I wonder, wonder if I paid attention to nutrition a little bit. Um, and I, I made small, small changes, uh, initially over those first couple of years. And, um, and my body changed dramatically. Um, if people could see on my Instagram feed, I've got a, a post in there of 2014, 2015, 16, 17, 18, um, the changes were really dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was probably, probably under eating or just eating poorly, but still under eating during mm-hmm. those first couple of years of CrossFit. Yeah. So that was the most surprising thing you just said. You got into nutrition slowly because everything else from what I've heard, you kind of just go right into it. Yeah. It actually, <laughs> no one talked to me about nutrition. It was just a, a situation where I just didn't know. Um, 
I was about a year into CrossFit when I uh, decided I'm going to open a CrossFit gym. And uh, <laughs> so I, I rented a space, flew to California because it was the soonest. Uh, the, the L1 was that weekend. So mm-hmm. I was like, I flew to California to take the L1 that weekend. It was like the only one in the country that had space available. Because um, since I rented a space, I needed to affiliate, but I needed an L1 to affiliate. Mm-hmm. All these things needed to happen really fast because I moved kind of fast that way. And uh, it was at the L1 where they were talking about nutrition. And it was a foreign language to me. Um, I had no idea. I just did a workout of the day every day. That's what CrossFit was when I started. Um, once I learned about nutrition at the L1, um, I started making slight changes. Um, and I got competitive. I, I really enjoyed this idea. Like, I, I did my first CrossFit uh, competition at the end of my first year of CrossFit. And I, did, I wasn't terrible. Like, I didn't get last. Mm-hmm. I didn't... didn't Get, I didn't win, but I didn't get last. And that yeah. like stoked a fire. I was like, okay, how do I get better at this? So I started kind of making some tweaks to nutrition. Um, I turned 40. I tried to qualify for the online qualifier. Uh, and I did a few times just with the potential, like this possibility that I might be able to make it to the games. That would be really cool. Um, but never, never close until um, uh, about two years ago, uh, I really focused on nutrition. And um, everything changed. By changing my nutrition to paying a hundred percent attention to what I eat, um, and and really, you know, removing removing the things from my diet that had absolutely no business being there. Um, I removed all grains from my diet, um, including rice at the time. I removed everything, so I got all of my carbs from vegetables or from fruits and vegetables. Um, I literally just I looked at the fitness in a hundred words, which is eat, um, you know. Meats and vegetables, nuts and seeds. I don't know. I'm going to goof it up. Um, you know, some fruit, little starch, no sugar, something yeah. like that. And I did that, um, except that I, I removed most starches except for just some sweet potatoes. And um, I tried it for a week. I felt great. So then I did it from then on. Um, only within the last uh, maybe eight months, I added rice back to my diet. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Thank God. It's great. Yeah. Thank, thank God I've got rice back. Um, but, but eating eating well, like I can't imagine not eating, uh, mm-hmm. like this now. Um, actually, uh, having gone to Nepal for three weeks, I knew basically whatever's set in front of me, I got to eat. And so it was a ton of rice and a ton of bread and a ton of, uh, a grain, um, very little protein. And, uh, I mean, I lost, I lost, uh, seven or eight pounds through that trip. Mm-hmm. Um, just in 90% of that was just not being able to eat what I should have eaten. I mean, under eating for, for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, nutrition, obviously, I mean, we know this, we know this now, nutrition is more important than actually working out if we're looking for body composition changes. And, you know, as a competitive athlete now, uh, nutrition is, you know, is, is like the uh, number one priority mm-hmm. um, and working out, obviously. But, yeah. but if my nutrition fails, nothing else matters. It's not going to work. When did you make the switch kind of in just doing CrossFit to kind of get in shape to when you wanted to be like, I want to be competitive and I want to go to the games? Oh, man. So it was actually, it was uh, the first time I saw the CrossFit Games was 2014. Um, So I started CrossFit at the end of 2013. Um, Coming around to August of 2014, I believe that was the year that Rich Froning was going for number four. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of watching the CrossFit Games a little bit on uh, ESPN and on my phone. And... um, I mean, honestly, I was kind of hiding the fact that I was watching the CrossFit games on my phone because 
I can get kind of obsessive about things. And I went from no CrossFit to six days a week, which one might call an obsession. And now I'm kind of watching the CrossFit games. And I was, I was like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I just watching these guys work out and they're crazy amazing. Um, I didn't even know at that point that there was masters athletes, that mm-hmm. there was anyone but Rich Froning and Matt Frazier's and, you know, Tommy Hackenbrooks and Chris Spielers. I didn't know that there was like this, this, you know, these age group categories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did discover that um, me, I don't know, within a month or two of the CrossFit Games. Um, and after um, being encouraged to do a competition and trying that out um, and enjoying that, I was, I mean, I was competing against children in that work, in that. I'm a, at that time, I was a 39-year-old competing against 23-year-olds, and I did okay. Then I, 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 I turned 40, um, and I did the CrossFit Open, uh, I think it was 2015, and uh, I made the, the qualification to the online qualifier in my age group uh, in the 40 to 44, and I, it was great. It was absolutely amazing. There's no way I was going to qualify for the games, but I got a taste of, like, I'm, I'm, I've got something here. I'm pretty good at this. I'm, I've got potential here. And, um, I mean, at that point, that was it. Like, if I could make it to the games at some point in the next, like, 30 years – that, that would be amazing. It was a bucket list thing that I thought would just be absolutely fantastic. And I believe it. So I, I tried when I was 40, tried when I was 41. Um, not really super close on either one of those. And then uh, when I was 42, I, uh, I finished the Open in, I want to say, like 56th place or something. And it was going to be really hard to go to the online qualifier and, and uh, go from 56th into the top 20. And uh, I, I, mean, I did the the qualifier workouts, multiple, I mean, a couple of them a couple of times, um, sold out, gave everything I got. But still, I was like, there's just no way I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, submitted all the scores on a Monday. And by, like, Monday night, I was sitting in, like, 17th. I was like, it doesn't, I mean, uh, friends were texting me, like, dude, you made it. I'm like, I didn't make it. Like, <laughs> I'm, it's Monday night. People have till Wednesday to, yeah. like, validate this thing. Like, so I'm just sitting there waiting to be validated right out of contention. Um then, you know, maybe dropped to 19th, 20th, 21st, 22nd. And I just held there at 17th. Um, then a week later, they wanted videos. So I submitted videos. And uh, a couple weeks later, um, I got the email. Qualified for the games. And couldn't believe it. I was a, I'm a games athlete. Mm-hmm. I, I, I made it. I qualified. It's incredible. And uh, the immediate realization, like, oh, no. I can't go to the games and, and, and suck. I was really scared. I was like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to be terrible. I mean, like tw- I don't want to be 20th. Like I'll like 16th place would be great. I, I qualified in 17th. I, I ended up bumping up to 13th. Um, but if I could be like, I mean, top 10 would be incredible. Um, so those were my goals. My goals initially at the games were just don't suck. Just be good enough. Um, and I did well. I did good enough at those at the first games I went to um, in 2018. Uh, I took fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, one of the top three contenders tested positive for um, uh, uh, performance enhancing drugs. So I ended up bumping up to the uh, to third place. So I didn't get to stand on the podium that year, but I did get a, a third place medal shipped to yeah. me via FedEx. <laughs> and uh, literally, FedEx showed up. I was behind the gym i'm still in the gym at the time behind the gym on the assault bike in the middle of the workout fedex shows up and i'm like i ah, just set it down over there i'll mm-hmm. open it when i'm done with the workout um <laughs> but i'm not it was still cool 
yeah. it's still cool. So now when you end up in fourth and you get bumped up because of something like that, do you really feel like you were in the top three or? Uh, no, no, not at all. Um, it was, I mean, it was so far after that, six months, at least after the fact, mm-hmm. um, it was such a anticlimactic, um, kind of experience. Um, you know, prize money was, was, uh, deposited into my bank account and a, and a <laughs> meta was like shipped to mm-hmm. me. That's it. That's it. Nothing, nothing from CrossFit. And that's, it's fine. It was just unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best part about the experience was, um, that, I mean, one, like actually, I mean, getting top four yeah. was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, being fourth place, I was ecstatic to be fourth. Um, but I actually sent a, a direct message on uh, Instagram to Pat Vellner when I heard that, you know, I, I, I got bumped up because that was a situation that kind of he was in. Yeah, right. And so I just sent him a message. I'm like, hey, man, um, I mean, you may not know me, but um, I, I just got the notification that I got bumped up. And I, I know that you had this experience. And uh, he replied immediately. Um, and he was like, I completely know how you feel. It's really anticlimactic, right? And I was like, yeah, for whatever reason. That was great because, mm-hmm. like, the guy's awesome. Yeah. So um, <laughs> he responded to my message. I mean, who, who responds to messages like that? Uh, so that was it was really cool. And to be in a category of um, athletes that that, um, that that could be po- could be podium worthy, um, that was great. And and literally uh, this year when I when I did get to stand on the podium, um, they when the announcer said, you know. Uh, podium finish, third place podium finish in 2018, and then this year in 2019, it, it that's where I felt true ownership of like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I deserve to be there. That's okay. Uh-huh. I'm here this year, so I'm happier. It's yeah. it's cool, you know. So then, after your 2018 finish, what did, what was your biggest change you made going into 2019? Um, man, that's a it's a really great question with a boring answer. Um, because I didn't really make any changes. Kind of kept kept going. Yeah, I held the course, Mm -hmm. um, stayed on track, um, did everything that worked last year except added rice into my diet. So this was amazing. Like (laughs) that was more like a treat. Um, I could have rice instead of sweet potatoes all the time. Um, But yeah, I just hung in there and and hung tight with my training. Um, You know, one of my weaknesses in 2018 was Olympic lifting. So I did uh, a bit of Olympic lifting um, work. Uh, coming back from the games in 2018, uh, but honestly, I, it it didn't help. Um, I follow uh, I follow Comp Train Masters. I just follow that program to a T, and um, and it's been it's gotten me there. Um, I've given I, I, I train hard. I do my best to to recover well um, and and sleep eight hours a night, eat well, recover on my off days, Thursdays and Sundays. But really. Um, yeah, it was it was really just standard, boring, hard work, mm-hmm. and um, maybe a couple of small vacations because it did take a couple of trips in there, but nothing crazy. Um, you know, people after the twenty eighteen, they all ask you, um, you know, hey, Jason, are you going to go for it again next year? Well, of course I am. I mean, <laughs> of course, but it's really hard. Like, I probably won't make it next year. You know, and. Um, it, and then when you know when they announced going into 2019 that only the top 10 from the online qualifier will go to the games instead of the top 20, um, I was like, man, there's just the competition's too tight. I'm a year older. There's another, I don't know, 10,000 40 year olds that just graduated into my my age group. Um, 
you know, I don't know. I, I probably won't go there. So I, um, I set myself up to work really hard and, 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 uh, work hard through the qualifier and, um, see how the ball bounced. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this year the qualifier workouts were, were all within something that I could do. And I Mm -hmm. loved them. I loved them all. I was able to retest a couple of them. Um, they were torturous, um, horrifying PTSD experiences. Just like every, just like this last, like 20.1, the open workout, absolutely horrible Mm -hmm. experience. I mean, I love it. I love this stuff, but it was so hard. And all those workouts were super hard. Um, and I, you know, we actually, uh, went to Hawaii to spend a week in a camper van right after the qualifier this spring. And, uh, it was a nice thing. Like whether I qualified for the games or didn't qualify for the games, um, we were going to stay in a camper van for a week in Hawaii as like a treat for selling the gym. It was like a little splurge we took. And uh, it was great. It was absolutely great. Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely, I, I snuck in, in seventh place, um, to the game. So I qualified, um, got the official, you know, submit your videos kind of thing while I was in Hawaii. So I submitted my videos and, um, you know, a couple weeks later got the actual invite and it was great. Uh, a lot of it felt like there was a lot of hard work put in, but really the, the margins of error are just so slim. I mean, I got in by a few points, mm-hmm. seventh place was just a few points, um, ahead of 10th place. Um, so it's hard. It's really hard to qualify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned in there that you follow comp train masters. How did you make the decision to follow that track versus other tracks? Uh, good question. Um, when I when I opened my gym uh, four years ago, uh, I was writing all the programming and uh, just thought that was the, the right thing to do. And um, there wasn't a ton of outsourced programming at the time, uh, but CompTrain was publishing for free at the time. Mm-hmm. And one of my members was a very serious uh, competitor. You know, he's like 19, very serious, but... I didn't even know about CompTrain. He's like, Jason, you should follow CompTrain. You should do these workouts. And uh, I was like, ah, sure. Yeah, I'll give this a go. I'm, you know, I'm like 40 years old trying to do straight up CompTrain programming, uh, which is excessive. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, But I did want to be competitive. And so I thought I'd give it a shot. So I did CompTrain, like, you know, regular programming for uh, about maybe 18 months. Uh, maybe almost two years, and it was not the right program for someone my age. That was the that was the interesting part. I I hadn't learned that that I have a capacity or I have a limit. Um, I just thought if I just work and work and work, and I I go, I go from workout A one A to one B to one C to one to two to three to four mm-hmm. to five workouts in a day, and just do those over a three hour period, I'm going to get stronger. Um, I, I just thought that would work. Um, but it, it gets to a point where I actually am I'm not getting any fitter by doing that. It's I'm actually just beating the, the heck out of my body. Um, so after I didn't qualify for the games in 2017, um, I was frustrated. I was really frustrated uh, that I didn't qualify. I might have worked my tail off. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't quite dialed in my nutrition, but I thought I had put in all the effort. Um, and I, I mean, I, I was in like, you know, the cutoff was 20 and I was somewhere in the forties. So I really needed to improve by 20 people. So I was really disappointed. Comtrain masters had been out for a little while. And I just, I told myself, I'm like, you know what? Fine. I will just do Comtrain masters. It was almost like I was angry. It was like, you know, I, I'm going to settle and I'm just going to do Comtrain masters. 
it's not nearly the amount of work that comm train, uh, regular comm train is, but you know, they, they seem to know what they're doing. So I'm just going to follow it to a T for a year and see what happens. And my training volume went down significantly by at least half. And I remember there were days I finished working out thinking like, I don't know if this is going to work because I'm not working out nearly as much as I thought I should be working out. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a real psychological, I, I had to experience appropriate volume for a 40 year old man or 41 year old, 42 year old, however old I was 42. <laughs> and, um, and it was crazy because I got better. I got stronger. I got faster. My capacity increased. Um, I, I thought, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't hurt. Um, and I, I mean, I, of course, I mean, I look back, I'm like, duh, dude, you're 41. You're not supposed to be doing comp train. And I would tell that to any 41 year old out there that's trying to do standard comp train. It's way too much. It's not appropriate. Um, but I needed to experience it for myself. And, um, I just follow it to a T and, and it worked. And, you know, when it worked on year one, um, now that I know there's, there's quite a few master's programs out there available. Um, and I think they're probably all really, really good. Um, I mean, there was, there was a couple of guys in Comtrain masters that I see in sugar every day that actually qualified for the games last year in my category. So we're all doing the same thing. We're all doing the same workouts. Um, there's not this huge differentiator there, uh, but it it works for me. Um, it's diverse. It's smart. Um, I mean, their, their team over there. I don't want to. I don't want to overdo it. But um, you know, Ben Bergeron's team, um, Harry Pally, and the, the team of guys that program this stuff are so good. And if I have any questions, I just email them, and they get back to me. Um, mm -hmm. I got an invite to uh, to Wadapalooza this year, so I didn't have to do the qualifier. Oh, yeah. um, my game's performance allowed me to get an invite to Wadapalooza, so I'm going to go down and compete in uh, in that in February. But it's within three weeks of the online qualifier for the CrossFit Games. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern because that's that's a pretty tight time frame to go sell my soul at, at a competition because <laughs> I know myself. I can't, I can't half-ass anything. And then three weeks later, uh, sell my soul again in an online qualifier. So it's, it's not the perfect situation, but I was able to email... Uh, Harry over at Comp Train, and just asked him like, "Hey, how would you how would you approach this? What's your recommendation on this?" So he, you know, his response was a page long, um, and it's just you know it's, it's something like that that's super meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, the, the programming has been very adequate. It's worked incredible. Um, and today, for whatever reason, I was they had us swimming, so I went and swam. Whatever it says, I just have to do. Like that's just that's how I'm built. Yeah, so now you said that a lot of the people you compete against are doing the same thing. So then what do you think the difference is? That's a great question. I, I literally rack my brain on that all the time. <laughs> Trying to figure out if we're all doing the same thing, right? Uh -huh. And we're all, um, you know, we're, we're, whether we're eating the same, we're not eating the same, we're sleeping the same. But, like, um, even at the games, like people are like, they're like, I, I won by a decent margin, Um and I was like, dude, we're all, they, these are the strongest men on the planet. We are all really strong. And they were like, dude, what was your competitive advantage out there? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I just, I just went as hard as I could and so did everyone else. Um, you know, the only thing that I can come up with that is a differentiator, um, and Ben Bergeron talks about this quite a bit, is those factors outside the gym. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how much stress someone has in their life, um, you know, the amount of recovery the quality of their recovery, the quality of their sleep, um, the quality of, of what they're taking into their bodies. Um, you know, 
the quality of workouts. And by quality of workouts, I mean like, you know, what's the in- intended stimulus for a workout? Is this, you know, is a workout meant to sell your soul on these back squats or is it to go to 80% and this should, you know, this, this shouldn't destroy you for the week kind of back squat. And so I think paying attention to all those things is, is really important. Um, I know that at the games for me, um, you know, the first year it was just this, this overwhelming experience and I enjoyed every bit of it both years. Um, but the second year I was much more strategic about, um, eating, resting, hydrating, uh, recovering, you know, setting up a bed on a row of chairs in between events just to lay down after eating and, and rehydrating, just laying down because I have an hour before I need to start getting warm. So I'm literally going to lay down, set an alarm and try to take a nap. Mm-hmm. Um, there were lots of things like that, that, um, I just knew that my body needed to be actively recovering as much as possible. Um, and I needed at least eight hours of sleep every night and I got, I got decent sleep. Um, but I think those things are the things that, that differentiate, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, um, you know, besides that, just a, a, a pain tolerance is, is, um, something that is, is different and unique in everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we watch, you know, you, I watch, the final event at the CrossFit Games, the 30s, and I, you know, I see Noel Olson going for it. I see Matt Frazier going for it. I see all these guys. Um, there is just crazy pain thresholds that these guys are are capable of. Or like maybe they don't even have a pain threshold. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like it's that. Like they don't even have one. Um, you know, anybody that did the the open workout in 10 minutes, they clearly don't have a pain threshold. My pain threshold is pretty solid, but there was just I just couldn't go faster. I went mm-hmm. as fast as I could. And, mm-hmm. And my pain threshold was was my RPMs were through the roof, um, but I do think that there's there's um, building a, a mental tolerance to that incredible amount of pain that goes along with the test of fitness, mm-hmm. whether it's an open test or it's a, an online qualifier test or it's actually at the games. Um, it's in those tests where you are meant to actually go above and beyond, you know, anything that you think you're capable of. Um, it's a it's a it's a battle in your mind mm-hmm. as much as it is in your body. Um, I think about at the games there was um, the ruck sack run. Mm-hmm. It was uh, six thousand meters at four o'clock in the afternoon in Wisconsin. It's hot. Um, you know, you start with a twenty pound bag. Every fifteen hundred meters, you got to add ten pounds. We finished with a fifty pound bag on our last fifteen hundred meters, and I battled with with uh, two other guys. Um, one guy was gone. He was three minutes ahead of everyone. It doesn't matter. Mm. So we're all battling for second place. And um, it's such a battle. And like all three of us, there's no doubt that the three of us are angry with each other <laughs> because <laughs> I keep passing um, one of them and then, and, then, and then another one passes me and then I pass him. And then So we keep pushing each other beyond our capacity. We're dying out there. We're, it's so hot. It's so heavy. It's such a long run. Um, and it came down to a certain point where, um, I mean, I, for me and my mental capacity or my mental thought on the, the fourth lap, the last 1500 is like, I've, I got to get ahead of these guys really early on this last lap because I, there's no sprinting at the end. There's no way I can sprint. And so I just, I, I went for it mm-hmm. and I prayed to God that I didn't die mm-hmm. on the last like 800 meters. Cause you know, I may, I sold out a little early and I'm like, well, here we go. I, I, I bought my ticket. I got to finish this thing. Yeah. Like, I'm playing this hand. If it's a poker hand, I chose to play the hand. I better finish it. Um, and thankfully, I, thankfully I did, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, there's just a, 
just an element of grit that mm. um, I had to. I had to. I had to do it. And I, all of us are thinking that. We're all thinking that, of course. But sometimes that mental grit just pushes us a little bit further mm. into our capacity. Yeah. Now you have a pretty cool story here of kind of how you were an overweight guy who kind of turned it around, lost a lot of weight, and now you're CrossFit Games champion. So. What are yeah. you kind of hoping that an outsider yeah. gets out of this story or seeing you uh, and the example yeah. you've set? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's really, I'm, I'm literally building um, one of my businesses around the idea of that story. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's possible. Um, it's possible to, to beat out um, the, the destiny that you feel like you're locked into. Um, you know, coming from an obese, overweight family, um, really unhealthy, uh, nutrition, wise, nutrition wise. Um, you know, I, for a lot of years, I just thought, man, I'm just buying my time before I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big thick guy. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen. Let's see how long I can push that off. And, um, and when I discovered a, a methodology like CrossFit, it's more than just a workout of the day. It's a lifestyle. I mean, it's, it's, it's a solid workout. Um, that should be relatively fun and challenging, um, and it's a nutrition choice, and it's sleeping well and making smart decisions around all those things. Um, it can be done. You you can literally rewrite um, the story that was laid out in front of you. Um, mm-hmm. I almost wanted to say you could rewrite your DNA. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's quite that, <laughs> yeah, but right. I feel like that. I felt like my DNA was like I am going to be a big guy, uh-huh. and uh, I'm probably going to get sick. I'll probably end up sick. Um, as a 50, 60 year old human being, um, that can be rewritten and it's not easy. It's certainly not easy, but it's not, it's not out of grasp. Um, it's just committing to, you know, an hour a day, five days a week. Um, and I, I eat a lot of food. We still, we can still eat a lot of food. We just eat kind of a different, healthier food. That's really delicious. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm quite accustomed to eating like hamburger. I love it. And, uh, and chicken, and, and pork chops and bacon and eggs. I mean, there's, I, I eat five eggs a day because fats, that doesn't make you fat. Um, I put butter in my coffee because, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, <laughs> if you haven't, obviously, like there's no way I can ever stop doing that. So, um, but, but it's, it's within everyone's grasp to be able to make small, subtle changes to start with and then allow that thing to snowball into some significant life change. Um, I'm super grateful that, I had pictures taken of me along the way. Like I didn't uh-huh. intend to, I didn't set out to write a story of a, of a thicker guy that became the CrossFit games champion. That wasn't the plan. It turns out that, um, it turns out that that does make a really nice story. And, um, you know, I, I see guys, I was literally, I mean, going swimming at a rec center today. So I go to swimming at the rec center and I just look around, and I see all kinds of guys that I literally want to grab them. and like, look them in the eyes at this swimming pool and say, dude, you don't, we can help you. I can help you. I mean, I'm not going to, that's not the place I'm going to do that, but I want to, I want to be able to say like, I can help you. You, you don't have to stay like this. Um, like you could get better. You can, you can feel better. Um, all of those things. So I think that's the message for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with all that being said, what, what does the future hold for you in CrossFit and in life and whatever else? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, also how many more years do you see yourself competing? I don't know. How do I stop? You know, 
How just do go you to the, stop? Just keep going to the next age bracket. The next. Yeah, age. No, I know. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna enter into the as a young person. Uh, in two years, in 2021, I'll be the youngest in that category. So, I have to. Obviously, I have to do that. Um, <laughs> as long as I can be healthy, and as long as I'm having fun, and I and uh, and as long as time will allow me to do this, um, I love the way I feel. Mm-hmm. I love. I love to be able to, to, to trek, you know, 90 miles in, in, uh, in Nepal and, and climb an 18,000 foot mountain and feel great. I love that. I don't ever, ever want to lose that. And you know, I don't have to be a games athlete to do those kinds of things. Um, but I do love challenges. And so I, I'll attempt to go to the games this year for sure. Um, if I make it, it'd be awesome. If I don't make it, I guarantee I'll be a little disappointed. I, I know, I know myself. Um, but, Either way, I'll, I'll give it a go next year. And as, again, as long as I'm healthy, I believe I'll, com- I'll keep competing. As far as my story, um, I'll continue to to share yeah, the story of a, of a, a thicker guy with four kids um, and young kids that, that wanted to become a healthier person. And um, and it turns out that it wasn't it wasn't outside of my reach. So I'll I'll continue to share that story and ideally um, help as many people uh, as I can. Um, whether they walk into a CrossFit gym or make this change at home, um, that's my plan to help them do that. And uh, I've, I have another business brewing um, to help CrossFit gyms. Um, I was a CrossFit gym owner for four years. It is the hardest business I've ever had. Mm. Um, I loved it. It was it was incredible to be able to help people make life transition. Um, but running a gym is the hardest hardest thing I've ever done in my life and um, I think there's some things that gym owners could use to make their life easier and uh, so that's the the other side of a, a business that uh, is launching December 1st so uh, stay tuned I'll, very cool you'll get to see what that is it's yeah. coming very cool so uh, where yeah. can people find you and learn more about you yeah it's easy um, jasongrub.com uh, it's jasongrub g-r-u-b-b with two b's dot com and uh, from there, you can find links to all of my social media. Um, but uh, Jason Grubb, one word, underscore fitness, is my uh, Instagram handle. And, it, you know, I, I put everything on Instagram uh, and then let it populate everything else from there. Uh-huh. Yeah, very cool. Well, Jason, thanks a lot for coming out and thanks a lot for telling your thank story. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I hope you enjoyed episode 93 of this show. We'll see you next time on the Up Before You podcast. Have a great day.